Starting soon, the Monday Market Highlights podcast will be exclusively available on Milford's new podcast channel called On Track with Milford. Search On Track with Milford on your podcast app and tap subscribe so you don't miss out on any episodes. You're listening to the Monday Market Highlights brought to you by Milford. Good morning. It's Monday the 22nd of May and I'm Roland from Milford. In Australia, the quarterly wage price index was released, with wages coming in softer at 0.8% quarter-on-quarter versus 0.9% expected. Public wages grew at a faster rate than private wages, increasing 0.9% quarter-on-quarter or 1.1% if you include bonuses. It is quite unusual for bonuses to have such an influence on public wage growth. Real wages remain very weak at negative 0.5% quarter-on-quarter and negative 3.1% year-on-year. The slightly weaker wage print could be explained by EBAs accounting for half of wages set in the March quarter versus 33% in the March quarter of last year. Generally, EBAs have lower annual increases. Interestingly, those private individuals who did in fact get a pay rise saw a 4.3% increase year on year. So some strengths and weaknesses in this release, and it's important to note this is from March and we are halfway through May, but generally speaking, it was slightly softer than expected. Also in Australia, employment data was released. This too was weaker than anticipated. Total employed persons fell 4,000 month on month compared to 25,000 expected. Given the participation rate was flat, the unemployment rate increased to 3.7% from 3.5% expected. Despite lower total employment and a plethora of holidays in April, hours worked actually increased month on month. In addition, the underemployment rate fell. Therefore, this was a strange data release with conflicting signals, but nonetheless was weaker than expected. One thing we are closely following is the total working age population. This should capture the significant increase in foreign workers entering Australia and has continued to grow strongly year on year. This data did feed into the RBA pause narrative. However, one data read is not a trend, so we caution against extrapolating this weakening economic data yet. In the US, The focus remains on the debt ceiling and a potential resolution given the concerns around a potential US default should it not be raised. On Thursday evening, a deal was apparently getting closer, which saw equity markets rally. However, on the Friday, negotiations had apparently stalled, which saw equity markets fall off. Often the debt ceiling negotiations come down to the wire, but every time a deal has been struck. US retail sales data was also released, coming in well below expectations at positive 0.4% month-on-month, versus 0.8% expected. However, retail sales ex-auto was in line at 0.4%. Turning to company news, Aristocrat had a big week acquiring Neo Games on Tuesday and announcing their half-year results on the Thursday. On the acquisition, this was acquired for $1.8 billion, which represents a 15 times EBITDA multiple, and actually was over a 100% premium to Neo Games' share price. It gives Aristocrat much-needed iGaming capabilities, but also brings the leading iLottery platform in the US into their stable. It is expected to be accretive in the first full year of ownership in FY25. On the result, it was ahead of market expectations, but was of a lower quality than hoped. The beat was driven by a strong America's land-based result, but lower interest and a better currency drove a chunk of it, which the market didn't like. The digital business also continues to adjust post-COVID, with operating profit down around 15% year-on-year. There were, however, a number of other positives to point out, including an expectation of improving second-half margins, a reiteration of guidance, and a new gearing target, which implies more buybacks in the future. Zero released their full-year results, and although revenue came in line with expectations, 
free cash flow and EBITDA were well ahead as they focus on balancing profitability with growth. The annualized monthly recurring revenue metric also implied some good revenue upgrades for the up-and-coming financial year. Zero rallied 9% on the day of the result and 5% the day after. Life360 reported their first quarter results, which were very strong, with the business tracking ahead of full-year guidance only one quarter into their financial year. They put prices up significantly for Apple devices, but despite this, subscriber growth returned, implying that consumers have adjusted to the new prices. They're looking to put similar price rises through for all Android users this quarter, which may see a bit more churn. Operating cash flow and EBITDA continue to improve, but they're admittedly being helped by heightened share-based payments. 360 rallied 12% on the day, ending up 21% for the week. Finally, James Hardy released their full-year results, which was in line with guidance and better than feared. They released first quarter guidance, which was also ahead of expectations if you were to annualize it. They didn't provide full-year guidance, however, which is unusual but understandable given how volatile market conditions are. They did expect most of their end markets to be down mid to high teen percentages, though. Looking to the week ahead, the market will continue to monitor any and all rumours around the debt ceiling as investors hope for a resolution as soon as possible. We continue to approach the first period of stress, which is the first week of June, where some tax inflows are expected. If they disappoint, it would bring forward the default date. The RBNZ will release their interest rate decision this week, with the market expecting another 25 basis point hike. This would take the official New Zealand cash rate to 5.5%, versus Aussies at 3.85%. In the US... April PCE data is to be released, with the market expecting it to grow 0.3% month on month. Remember, this is the Fed's preferred inflation measure. We also get a swath of PMI data this week across the US, Japan, and Australia. This gives a good sense of forward domestic consumption and is a good barometer for how an economy is expanding or contracting. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Don't forget, this podcast is moving to Milford's new podcast channel. Search On Track with Milford on your podcast app and tap subscribe so you don't miss out.